0: All right, guys, as the official clearinghouse of all DFS site-related drama, we have another story to tell today. This is the unraveling of Daily Fantasy Insider. j reached out to us recently and wanted to tell us about uh, what happened with him, some of his early founders, developers, and the unraveling of the site, and now why he's launching a new venture. There's all kinds of interesting wrinkles to this story, so we are going to try to get to the bottom of it. The best way, Brian and I know how, as DFS investigative journalists, let's do it. I, does he think? It's I think he thinks go. this. He thinks this is a go. Vegas Dave thinks this is a go.
1: Hot naked girls doing yoga. What? Why don't you just win like a man? Random.org. <laughs> Type in one for yes, two for no, and let the DFS cats pick for you.
0: And I'm absolutely begging you not <laughs> to do bust. Please. Please, Please don't do us. Justin, I was about to say that this is your first time on Lulls, but it's not, right? Weren't you, didn't you it's come not. on? It's not, yeah. I don't like think the there Empire was maker? Much substance
2: in the last time I was on, but we had a good time.
0: What was the occasion
2: for that? I don't know. I think I'm, I think I'm Want to? I want to say a live final, but I also don't want to be wrong. I don't know. <laughs> it was, that it was like a few over two years, years ago. ago.
0: I thought it was when Empire Maker and Osimo were battling there. And I feel like you had like thoughts in, or you had like tossed your name in like a high stakes battle. Yeah. Oh man, I miss
2: Empire Maker. He's been, I haven't seen him around in a while. Yeah, that might've, that could be what it was. I used to battle with Empire and head to heads. And I think maybe he picked it up with Osimo. So I, I maybe came on to share what it's like to battle with him.
0: That could have been it. I can't remember. It's it's crazy that we've been doing this show so long that we can't even like remember specific episodes and, and, and things we talked about. Um, but Justin, most people know you from Daily Fantasy Insider, the infamous War Rooms. I believe you specifically got on my radar during COVID when we started the show. You guys were doing a lot of League of Legends uh, and eSports content. Of course, Brian and I established ourselves as thought leaders in the space at the time. But... Set the stage for us a little bit here. That company you were there for what eight years previously,
2: yeah. So I started that company, I kind of started conceptualizing when I was 18 years old, launched it when I was 19. I was at UNC Chapel Hill, launched it with my roommate. And the reason for launching it was that everybody at school was texting me asking who I was playing on FanDuel every day. So I started a Twitter account and said, Everyone, don't text me, please just follow this account. I'll put my pics on there. And then a bunch of random people started following the account. So I was like, All right, I'm gonna make this into a real website. And I got connected to a family friend who had some basic concept of how to build websites. He built the site for us. And I kind of just tossed around the equity. Like Before we even had a business plan at all or any sort of monetization plan, I was barely over a 50% owner, had given out the rest to friends and people that wanted to work on it. And so that's the, kind of the first thing, the first big mistake that I think a lot of young business owners make is they, they want to not go at it alone. And what they really need is mentors and advisors. And rather than finding mentors and advisors, I found equity partners. And that's what kind of creates eight years later. It's like, wow, this situation has become really unfair because those people worked at the company for like a couple of years, put in a little sweat equity and then kind of went off to do their own things when we graduated. And so now there's these little partners out there that, and, and all but one of them told me, go do whatever you want with this. Like if you want to close it down and start your own thing, I don't mind at all. Totally understand because they're they're not doing anything. The whole thing has just been me. The only partner that is frustrated about this is the tech partner. And the reason that I had to leave this guy is because it just became clear that he was ripping us off. And I think what I've learned is that the big mistakes i'm going to talk about a few different mistakes that i've made and maybe why there's some rumors floating about me that based on mistakes and it's really almost always comes down to kind of trusting people a little too much and i think that's a natural thing when you're young and starting a business you think okay i can't wear all the hats i can't do everything and a lot of people tell you that you should really specialize like you should really nail the thing you're good at and let other people handle the other things you're not good at so i thought right, i'm gonna let this guy be our cto manage all the tech. And I just trusted that it was kind of being priced out fairly. Um, And when we looked into selling the company late last year, early this year, when people dug through our books, the feedback I kept getting was, you've been getting ripped off really bad on your tech. And so that really changed the whole thing for me of like, wow, okay, I kind of suspected it, but I didn't know enough about tech to say, you know, they'd send me a a spreadsheet of all the hours that were logged and for what, and it was all these, this jargon that I didn't understand. So how am I supposed to dispute that it shouldn't take that long? Um, And so it was only when kind of, we really got the business valued that they said, this is, this situation's not right. And once that was kind of out in the open, the tech team restricted my access to the website. I can't even update a plugin on the website since January. So their way of kind of, making sure that they didn't get booted out was to make it impossible for me to take over the tech. So I tried to hire a new tech team. Other owners in this industry are really friendly. I think people think we're all rivals, but I've never talked to another owner of a DFS content site that wasn't willing to talk to me and help me and really friendly. I think everybody kind of respects entrepreneurship. If you've never owned a business and launched a business, it's, it's harder than you think it's going to be. So I think everybody that owns them in the space is really nice to each other. They gave me some helpful advice. One guy even connected me to his tech team, which was really nice of him. And I tried to hire this new tech team to run DFI. And my current tech team just refused to cooperate. They said, no, we like, we've been here forever. They don't know how it works that they're going to, they're going to tank the equity that we have. We're not willing to, to do it. And they just kind of reached a stalemate where a few months back, I, I told him, I said, look, I'm going to just close the company down. I'm the majority owner. Our operating agreement is rock solid. Like, I, our attorney looked at it and said, like, one of the strongest operating agreements I've ever seen that keeps the the majority owner in just complete control. And that was the way we set it up on purpose. I said, Look, I'm willing to give give this equity away. I want you guys on board, but I need to be have total control of this company because it's really me. You know, you guys are going to help, but it's mostly my brand. So, luckily, it was set up that way. So, I told him, I said, Look, I have control to just close the company down and start a new one. I'll give you like 20 grand to go away. And he came back with like 10 times higher than that as the asking price. And he's like, let's negotiate from there. And I said, I'm not even gonna start at that. I'm not even gonna negotiate. I'm not even gonna come to the table if you want to start at this outrageous price to get rid of a 15% owner who just is just holding on to the tech. And so the two options really at that point were walk away, start over, or sue him and win. But it would just be a pain in the ass. And like, this is the whole thing is mostly to have fun. You know, this isn't the most lucrative industry. I think people think there's so much money to be made in these companies. Like, not that good. You know, it's mostly about having fun. Um, there's It's not worth dragging out a lawsuit and bringing everybody into court and spending money on attorneys to fight for this tech that honestly is eight years old. Like, yeah, we've been building on top of it, but it's still built on a foundation that's eight years old. And so when I started over, My wife has experience building a website. She built her own jewelry company that she launched uh, last year. And so we were looking into it and she's like, I think for all the features you actually need, we could easily build this ourselves. And so that's what we did. And I told the tech partners that I was gonna do it. And they said, we don't believe you. You're bluffing, you'll never be able to do it. You don't know how to build a website. Um, So they were disappointed when I told them that I had successfully built a website. Um, But I think the thing that I think is a testament to me, I saw somebody in the comments say, who cares about just having jmac on if you're not going to have the other disgruntled partners come on and i think it speaks that that no one is out there saying i did anything wrong like all the employees pretty much came with me to the new company the only people who left had been there for long enough they've got kids now and they just said hey I'm, i think i'm ready to retire which was totally cool but we don't have any like disgruntled angry people out there saying that, that we did anything wrong It was just that our our tech just basically got hijacked and we were just being kind of held hostage from our own platform. They were trying to force us to buy them out at an insane price. So it just made sense to start over. I don't think the DFI brand name and the War Room brand name, I don't think it's worth all that much. I think what really matters in the space is just community and good content. And so I think if we just make good content at really good picks, I think most of the people will translate over. And that's kind of already been the case. We've already had a few hundred of our most loyal DFI people have already come over to RGP and they're loving it. So um, I think it's, it's a good fresh change for all of us. And I'm relieved to now be in control of the tech and hopefully that can't happen to me again.
0: All right. Lots, lots to unpack there. I have some follow-up questions, Brian, anything um, that you have on your mind here?
1: Yeah. I mean uh, just real quick, the act when you gave them equity, is that also like a rev share? So like, no. Or so or just maybe, if you sell the but- company
2: but the tech guy insisted that he needed a salary that was even higher than my own and he claimed he was really doing high level stuff and i just had no way of disputing it and so i like i brought somebody in at one point to take a look but they just said i'd have to get so deep into it that he would really know that i was auditing it and like do you want to do you want to damage the relationship to do that and i should have but i said no and i think one of the big mistakes that I made was thinking that business experience is worth a lot. And what I mean is this, this tech partner was the only person in our company who was over 40 years old, the rest of us were like 20. And he'd, he'd run businesses before. And so I think I believed that his experience in business was worth more than my knowledge of the niche. And I should have just said, no, I'm in charge here. But it's hard when you're the youngest person in the room, it's hard to be bossing around 40 year old and his tech team um, so I just kind of let myself get pushed around a little bit, and that's that's kind of my big regret. But I think it's something that I had to experience to learn from.
0: What? So what was the exact equity split? Were you the majority owner?
2: Yeah. So I at the time of closing, I had fifty six percent of the company. This guy had fifteen. Another couple people had ten, um, and those people were just like passive. Another guy had two. Like none of them were making any demands. They all said, "It's honestly, dude, it's fair if you just close this down and start over. Like we don't we don't do anything." Um, and no one ever invested any money in the company. I think that's another factor that I saw people in the comments saying on Twitter, like, Oh, I heard he screwed all the investors. He, he raised all this money and then bailed and screwed them. And I was just like, that's not true at all. Like I, these people just were just given equity for free to help me out as friends. They haven't been working on the business for five plus years. Like it's, it's not a situation where I, I would never go fundraise money and then close the business down. I feel like that's like, kind of almost rude to even imply that that would be something I would do. But yeah, I was like, nobody nobody lost anything other than potential upside in the future. But we built this business model the wrong way. And it was built for the idea of scaling revenue and user count and then selling the business. And in 2020, we actually got an offer in the seven figures based on revenue and user count. And the guy who made the offer quite frankly said, Honestly, if I were you, I would, I would really ramp up the top line stuff. I would ramp up the revenue and the user count come back to us. We'll make you a better offer in a couple of years. So we go down that road and then the whole market flips. And then we go to him in January of, of this year. And he says, yeah, we've really, we've really changed the way we're doing it. It's, it's really all about EBITDA now, uh, which makes a lot of sense. Like I, I actually was, I was surprised how much businesses were being valued in Silicon Valley, in our industry, all over based on top-line metrics, and these companies lose $100 million a year. Like, I didn't understand how Monkey Knife Fight got bought. Like, it made no sense to me. They've already closed it down. And I thought, okay, do I trust my own instincts, which is this seems a little off, to value everything like this? Or do I trust these people who are the people actually making the offers and experienced in the industry? And I can't even say I regret that choice to trust them. I I think it makes sense to trust the people that are experienced in the industry. And it, it just didn't work out. But... I think in business, a lot of it is just kind of luck and timing. And like, you look at guys like Rockefeller and Vanderbilt, like people now think they're really great success stories, but they broke a ton of laws and took a ton of really bad risks. Like, I think the process was bad, but the result was good. And I kind of think business is just a lot like that. Like some people are, are breaking laws and they turn into Madoff and some people break laws and they turn into Vanderbilt. And it, you don't know which one you're going to be until it's over. And so I think in this case, like I, I chose to follow the path that was working for the companies in the space, um, but the market has really flipped on its head, and so I, you're seeing a lot of companies change course right now. And um, so DFI was just too hard because we the tech was costing so much. That app was really expensive to run, and it just made sense to drop the app and, and just start all over. Really.
1: So, what laws were you breaking?
2: No, I wasn't breaking any. I was just saying in general, like you. You just think about like, because
1: you. that's your business, like, business model. Though I don't know if that's a good thing to publicly say because. To what? If that's your business model. No, no, no. or Clarifying, oh, yeah. No. M- so oh. yeah, that I was not breaking any
2: laws. I was just saying that
1: You break laws and sometimes it works out.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. Did you in this industry?
1: So everyone was so everyone was getting a salary. There was no like rev share split from the month. Now, did uh uh did like was there uh, a a bunch of money left over that you had to split with people like it's hard to allocate money when no yeah that's that's what made it easy
2: to close down is that there was you know actually the tech guys were kind of claiming this is what really broke up the relationship what really fractured the whole relationship with them it was already not going great last year but i was kind of powering through and, and really burning out i was losing a lot of enthusiasm for the for the whole thing and i just didn't know what to do and so, actually, looking into selling the company is what really severed the relationship. Because when they thought that we were going to get, a, we got a, we actually got an offer. We signed an LOI um, earlier this year, and uh, we can get into that more. But the uh, when we were about to get that offer, they all of a sudden presented a ton of expenses that didn't exist before, and they were like backlogged tech expenses. And I think they thought, oh, a big check is about to come in and we want to take way more than our 15% equity split that we would be entitled to. So we're going to claim there's been all these expenses that we hadn't logged yet from the prior year. And so all of a sudden it was like, well, wait a second, if we sell this now, you guys are going to get half of the money. That doesn't even make any sense. And so once they put that on the books and then the deal fell through, now it's like it's so awkward if they try to backtrack and say, "Well, never mind. I guess we, we you don't owe us all that." So it just became irreparable, and I think they knew it. We knew it. Um, there's barely been any communication for the last couple months. They haven't updated any. Like our WordPress is out of date. They won't update it. They won't let. They restricted my account, so I can't update it. Um, so just the whole the whole thing just kind of fell apart. And I think it's just kind of clear on both sides. Like, this, yeah, this isn't gonna work. So. Um, and that deal that deal created a few different issues, but I'm still glad it happened because that's what really led to me realizing like, okay, I'm the value of the company, I should leave and start over. These guys aren't adding any value, they're actually subtracting a lot of value by overcharging for all their services. So um, I've been thinking like they were providing value with tech, I provide value with content. And so that, that flipped the whole equation on its head for me to realize that I, I really don't need them at all.
0: What percentage of the content were you doing? At DFI, because I know you had a bunch of contributors. Like, how many other people did you have that weren't tech but were actually providing content?
2: Yeah, so I think we had about forty people at DFI that are providing content. Wow. I'd say about ten of them retired in this in this transition. About five of them were just let go, um, and we brought about twenty-five over to Really Good Picks. And I'm going to be providing a lot more content at Really Good Picks. So even this twenty-five will probably end up having less work, um, but they'll I think they'll enjoy it a lot more. the the war rooms required a lot of kind of tedious labor from our team. We had to list out all the players that were viable on the slate and that takes a lot of time and it's not fun at all. So by releasing my projections on really good picks, now you can look up any player and see what we think about them, both ownership and their actual projection, which means our team doesn't have to just list out all the viable plays, tell you who's bad chalk. Like you can just discern that from the projections. And then we're doing a slate breakdown write-up that's just, everything we think you need to know about the slate the way i've been describing it to my team is this is a blank canvas there's no templates let's let's throw out all the templates no one likes templated content just whatever you want to write about for that slate whatever seems the most relevant that's what you should be writing about and then if the customers in the discord ask follow up questions and you realize you left something out you can go edit the article but let's let's just write whatever we want to write and we're only a couple of days in we it, happens that we crushed the all-star game. So everybody's feedback so far is this is great. I love this format. We'll see what they think of it after we bust a couple of slates, but I think overall it's going to be a lot better and it'll take a lot less uh, tedious work from our team. It'll be more like thought provoking and fun writing.
0: So one you mentioned the stuff, like that it does seem like at the end of the day, like a DFS site and your specifically the tech isn't super important it is the content in the community like what's the fault because i assume most of the community is taking place what in discord you have an email list i assume like yeah. who has control over those things because that's by far the most valuable thing you had. like if they take an app and you're like who cares like i'll create another site or whatever but right. like how, yeah, how so, is this falling out with the the community
2: yeah and and what really what we realized when we were looking at selling the company is that they were valuing my twitter account way more than they were valuing the email list or even the the current subscriptions, everybody wanted to own my Twitter and own me personally. They wanted me to be signed on for three years to make content, promote, whatever the new site was going to be. Every deal we looked at, same thing. They all, they had to get me in my Twitter account. And I realized that if I took one of these deals, I'm going to be splitting what's really supposed to be my salary and things that should really be going to me are just going to be split up among all the partners. So it kind of made all these deals untenable in that way. I was still going to be willing to do the one that we agreed to because I liked the people we were doing it with. It's a company in the space that I I'm friends with the guys and I liked the deal. um, But it it just fell apart. They ended up going through something drastic uh, that changed their company. It dragged out the due diligence process for like two months. And uh, by the end of that, I was, I was kind of ready to just be done with the whole thing. And then they, they were kind of done too. It changed their business dynamics too much. Um, So yeah, it's just, uh, it kind of all fell apart, but I, the, all those deals were kind of the same in that they all made it clear to me that the value is actually my Twitter. And you can kind of see it from me posting my Twitter thread. It got a couple hundred thousand views and pretty much every customer has has come over to the new site. So I don't actually think DFI had any asset value. I think it's pretty much all just um, where our team is and our team has, has switched over to really good picks.
1: Isn't that kind of like uh, irrelevant? Like, uh, I don't know, like I'm not a lawyer, but like if I made a deal with somebody and it's like, well, it turns out um, I shouldn't have made that deal. I'm the guy who's who's benefiting from all this. So I'm just going to boogie on out of here. Isn't that like, well, so you signed the deal, You you owe these guys this equity
2: right no and they're welcome to keep their equity i'm like i'm just leaving you know like that's kind of it's like you can keep your equity in dfi you can keep the you can keep the app you can have the assets like i i don't really care i'm just leaving and you know i talked about it with the guy and he begrudgingly agreed that if i leave and all the team leaves then we should definitely cancel all the subscriptions it wouldn't be right to keep charging people when there's not going to be any content so i told him if he wants to go hire new people he can but he doesn't want to i mean he was really just riding my coattails ripping me off and he knows that and he has no interest in he doesn't really know anything about the industry i mean every april he asked me hey why are the golf sales up like it's been eight years the guy doesn't know that the masters is in april like he really doesn't know the industry at all but he was, so he, was you, right? he, he was getting a salary off you right
1: he was getting a salary off you he
2: was taking a salary and he was billing me for his team's hours so we were paying them in a pretty why
1: why would he rock the boat there
2: he wasn't trying he to rock get the set boat. up I wasn't trying to rock the boat. He, it just, uh, it got rocked when, uh, well, he thought when we, when we agreed in to, in principle to sell the company, he thought, all right, this is it. This is my last cash grab. So that's why they threw all this extra, extra stuff on the books trying to, and I think he could already sense, like I was already kind of asking for more details about some of the expenses. And, and I was asking for him to like kind of audit the work a little more and he was dragging his feet on that. So I think he could sense that I was rocking the boat and Hey, let me let me make one more shot at, at grabbing some cash as they, as we sell this company because he knew he would be replaced. I mean that that was something very clear in the deal was that the new company that was acquiring us, their tech team was going to take over the whole thing. They didn't yeah, want to bring if, anybody he, from our tech. Team you were there describing there
1: like he wasn't doing anything and riding your coattails and everything. It seems like you know logically why push push it? Why not just eat you know get the free money? For as long as you can. If the company sells, the company sells. That's a free 15%. All this is just free. Why get greedy and 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 rock the boat? And like some of this too, it seems like um, why were you trying to sell? Uh like when was the first like when did right. you first yes. try to sell? The yeah.
2: So my reason I wanted to sell is because I was just getting so burned out. And this working with this guy was burning me out. And I hadn't actually considered that I could just walk away. It didn't. that didn't seem like a reasonable option because the company had value. So I thought, well, it makes sense to sell the company. And then that will allow me to go to some new place, work for them for a few years, and, and just, you know, I'll get paid a salary at the new company. So it'll still be a decent gig. Um, I never really considered the option of just making a new company um, until my business attorney looked at our operating agreement and said, your best option is to just walk away from this. Like, You don't need to, because I I reached out to him about, can I sue to get control of the tech and and so we can switch tech teams? Because I'm trying to fire these guys and they're just, they're not letting me fire them because they have control of the code. They have, they own the code. Like I don't personally have possession of the app code or the website code. So what am I supposed to do? And so I thought I was going to sue him. And this guy looked at it and said, yeah, you you could sue him and and drag on and you'd eventually win, but you'd probably lose a lot of customers in the process because it would take up all your time. You wouldn't be focused on the content and they'd probably go to other companies and it's just not worth doing, dude. You just start over. And I hadn't really considered that. And then once I, I thought it through, I realized, yeah, that is the best way to, to get rid of these guys uh, is to just start all, start all so, over. And I'm really so far, I'm really glad I did. I mean, I think it's, it's a lot better. So
1: one of the, one of the commenters in, on Twitter, sent a post of you asking someone who owned really good picks or whatever, twitter handle yeah. in 2020 to dm you which would one would think that you would do that because you want his handle so you could right no i think it. it's important and to if clarify this hasn't occurred to you why would you send that to over two years ago no i think it's important to clarify
2: that my tweet is from five from six twenty
1: Oh, okay good point all right fair know, that.
2: that was their last tweet and i thought you know what are the odds this is really unlikely they're gonna respond but i might as well i mean they're clearly not in existence anymore The URL is available, so I'm going to take it regardless. But I might as well ask if I can have the Twitter account and pay him $100. If if you're watching this, I mean, reach out. I don't really care that much, but I'll I'll buy it for you from a little bit.
1: He actually sent me a message. He wants 15% equity uh, for the the screen name. Uh, Have you
0: you thought about changing the S to a Z, JMac, or maybe beating him over to threads? Those might be a couple alternatives.
2: Yeah, what, what's the What's your take on threads? I don't want to get too sidetracked, but is it worth is it worth doing? Brian and I talked about this all last episode. We can't saw, get yeah. we can't get we can't get
0: sidetracked. No, let's let's stay on track here. So what is what's the new setup with the company? Because I assume your best demographic for new subs is your old DFI subs. They clearly are were already on board with what you're doing. Um, they don't have the app anymore. Like what are, are, is the sub price the same? Was it just directly transferable? Like how are you porting people over to the new site?
2: Yeah. So I like, my partner said, you've got to email everybody and tell them that that the company's closing down and you, it's on you to mitigate refunds. So I said to my attorney, does that give me the, the right to just contact all the users and invite them to my new platform? And he said, absolutely. That's explicitly what he's telling you to do. So I emailed all the current customers and said, you know, here's a coupon code for the remaining amount of membership you have at DFI. You can come over to really good picks and get free access uh, for whatever you had left. And so um, if anybody didn't get that email and feels like they should, please reach out to me. Uh, yeah, I want to make sure everybody gets taken care of. We haven't had a single person put in a refund or a charge back at DFI. We have a nice community of people. Everybody's on board to come over to the new company. Um, I think my tech partner, I think he's really just kind of resigned to the fact that he Kind of screwed this up, and I think he's just kind of going to walk away. And and there's there's nobody out there that's like complaining, you know. I mean, I think I think that's that should say something, right? Like that I clearly I'm not super in the wrong here if there's nobody that's even complaining or saying I did anything wrong. So um, I think that that's, I think that's, that's true. We, yeah, that's where we're getting most of our our users from uh, right now. Is just bringing them all over uh, from. Well, let me
1: let me say this, JMac. The uh, your point about no one's coming out of the woodworks no one dm me or pete to my knowledge uh from like your tech team or anything like that you are a let's uh a polarizing character on twitter uh based on the messages i received but like basically no one provided any receipts on anything right yeah uh, and so let me so, address. So-
2: let, let's we still have half an hour right so let's let's run through some of these things i don't really i try not to engage on twitter on the ne- on just negative things because early in early in the first few years of doing this if someone threw out something that wasn't true about me I would I would really debate it until I felt like I'd kind of adjudicated myself and then then it just becomes the next thing right and so I was like this isn't really accomplishing anything it's just it's just kind of just drags me into negativity and I really like to try to be positive I mean I don't try to tear anybody else down on Twitter so I just I just try to block these people and just not engage but I do think at some point these things have to be addressed otherwise people think Silence means that it's true, right? So, I think that's one thing I was looking forward to and coming on the show is like, let me be an open book for half an hour, just fire these rumors at me. I'll tell you where I believe they've come from, the mistakes that I did make that are fair to call me out for. Um, and then let's just put it to
1: bed.
0: Well, yeah, we we have a few like loose ends and stuff that you know came through. Brian, what do you got?
1: Just to recap really quickly, so we're yeah. all on the same page. So, essentially. You 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 gave equity to a guy, and also he ran your tech, which is a big problem because, as everyone knows, if you don't have control of your own tech, they could screw you. They could lock you out of your RPS account, for example. Um, you know, and in there, and that frustrated you for quite a while. You decided you had epiphany moment. I could just walk away and start a new company. You did that this guy has not said anything to us or anyone else. It seems like at this moment you're not going to get sued. He's just going to eat it. DFI is completely gone and you're starting this new company and you did all this grassroots. Like you didn't take anything from them that a former company pretty cut and dry, Pete, anything I'm missing.
0: I think that that leads us up to like the backstory of how we got there. Um, what, let's start out with some of the random comments we got on Twitter it sounds like you're already well aware of these you know one thing someone said about the new site is some old subs said they thought they were locked into a DFI price for life and now that price has actually doubled over at really good picks uh, what's up with that situation
2: yeah so the complication of the back end of DFI is partly what has what prevented me from even being able to understand it we had at least 200 different subscriptions in the back end and That was because we changed our prices a few times over eight years. We had daily products, weekly products, monthly products, annual products across 10 different sports, all these different bundle packages, because every time somebody asked for something, I accommodated. Every time someone said, can you make a golf and NFL bundle? I was like, yeah. So it just became this really messy web of stuff that we asked our tech guys last summer. We said, we really need Discord. We need the premium members to be able to have a private discord where they can talk about their lineups before the lock and for eight months our tech team was billing us for working on it and never got it done and just kept saying I the back end. The i, I could have made that for you messaging. in 30 minutes j <laughs>
0: what was I, that for,
2: for i could have done that for you in 30 minutes and, uh, charged right. It and that's right and that's <laughs> and i reached out to people at other companies run pure awesome i asked them how do you have discord they said it's really simple so i kept telling my tech team that and they just kept saying they don't understand how, how complicated our backend is because of how many subscriptions we have. And so I said, look, that might be true, but I don't want to deal with this anymore. This is terrible. So at the new company, I have just like nine products. They're monthly memberships and I, I'm not going to be honoring five-year-old prices at DFI because then I have to make more edits to the backend and more subscriptions. And look, honestly, I think the prices are really fair. It's $49 a month for every single sport, projections, slate breakdowns, and discord i don't think there's a site out there that's offering projections for every slate including like golf showdowns nfl showdowns nba showdowns downloadable csv projections that you can upload into an optimizer i mean i think it's a lot of content for 49 dollars a month so i definitely understand there's going to be some people whatever you were once paying it sucks to pay more this is a different product though like if it makes you feel any better to pay a little more you weren't getting projections and you weren't getting a discord. So you're getting a lot more content than you were before. I think it's a much better product. Um, But yeah, I'm going to have to just stand by these prices. I don't plan on ever raising them. I'm just going to leave it this way, not touch the back end. Right now, my wife and I can manage it between the two of us. And if I start messing with it again, I just the last thing I want is to have to hire on a developer. Uh, It's just too much PTSD for me there. Okay, so prices
0: are more, but it's because of like complications and the sub setup being different at the new place. Yeah, and just what I think is,
2: is fair. I mean, looking at the market, I think we're way below other companies that are offering similar content packages. So I don't think it's unreasonable to stand by $49 a month for projections for every sport and, and content.
0: Um, another question that keeps coming up, and Brian and I saw this in multiple spots, is asking about your own personal DFS play, because obviously there's this whole concept of whiteout in the first place if you're not winning the game. And then there's a lot of people specifically saying you're not playing at all and that you've actually self-excluded on DraftKings. Is that true? Yeah. yeah
2: So so the human cesspitus is no more. And I've been waiting to make this announcement for a while because I just kept thinking, surely someone reasonable at DraftKings would contact me and say, hey, our player safety team went way too far. Sorry about that and give me my account back but that has not happened so at this point i'm ready to come forward and declare it dead uh so what happened is when football ended i got a new vip rep at DraftKings. i had been really close with my past one and i got a new text from him saying hey let me know if you need anything and i said hey man kind of rough timing for you that you just got me as one of your players because my understanding is that part of their compensation is that the players that they have on their roster their volume is, is somehow impacts their compensation. So their job is to try to get you to play more, right? So I said, hey, not great timing for you. I just decided with my wife that I'm gonna scale down the high stakes Thunderdomes, scale down the high stakes play, because I realized that I'm living the life of someone with a really stressful job. And there's just no reason for that. Like I shouldn't be this stressed out about my work when I have a really good life. And this, is, this should be a fun industry. And also it's distracting me from the content that the users really care about. You know, I'm, I'm spending so much time researching high stakes ownership that it's actually kind of influencing my content a little bit. Like, I might know that Doug Gim is a really good play this week in, in low stakes, but I don't want to make him the must have because in high stakes, he's going to be really chalky because of his odds. And so I might pivot the pick away. And so, just on some self reflection, I realized that the reason I started playing these high stakes contests was because I thought that it would be really effective marketing. I thought, you know, I can tweet this, the screenshots, and it'll, it'll, To your point, Pete, it'll show people that I am playing my own picks and that I am a winning player. But I actually think what it did is make me so unrelatable that it makes people think this guy isn't making the content for me. Like I had people reach out and say, do you make picks for the Millie maker for the big contest? Or are you really just focusing on super small fields? And I realized like, first of all, winning a 10 man contest, it's not that impressive. You know, like you could do it every 12 days, even if you suck. So it's not really worth posting these screenshots all the time. So long story short, I I reached out to my rep and I said, look, I'm probably going to scale down and I'm going to take a little break. I just had the most tilting run ever in NFL. I just had like five slates in a row where my guys got hurt. I'm going to take a little mental health break for a couple of weeks, and then I'm going to come back and I'm probably going to play lighter. And he said, all right, thanks for letting me know. Just so you know, if somebody mentions mental health, I do have to pass that along to our player safety team. So I'm just letting you know that I've passed that along. Why, why
0: would you feel the need that you have to tell your rep that in the first place? Like any of us can stop playing without having to tell our driver. Right, the, uh, the
2: reason is because I was so close to my past rep and I knew from talking to him that he really appreciated how much volume I played because that impacted him and his role. And I just, you know, this is, a, this is another example of just kind of going, there's just oversharing, right? Like I didn't need to tell him this, but I thought that it would be courteous to let him know that, I, that I'm not going to be the, the top draft pick or whatever in, his, in their reassignment of, uh, of players. Um, and so I just thought it makes sense to just, just let him know that. Obviously, it did not, right? Like in hindsight, very bad choice, but um, it seemed like it made sense. So the player safety team reached out and said, yeah, we've had to suspend your account. If a player says that it's negatively impacting your mental health to play, then we have to suspend the account. Who's, and- who's
1: your rep? Who was your rep?
2: My rep was NBK. I don't even know who this guy, I don't remember the guy's name He texted me. I literally had one text exchange with him ever. And then it was over. So I don't even remember what his name was, but the player safety team took over. And then, so then I contacted some other people at DraftKings that I knew and said like, is there anything that can be done here? And they're like, this is totally out of our hands. Once the player safety team has an account, it's totally their call. Like it's, and I think what I've realized is like, these people probably don't play DFS. Like I think anyone who's played DFS knows it can negatively affect your mental health at times. That doesn't mean that, you need to permanently be done. But it's like anybody who has a couple of really tilting slates in a row or a couple of injuries ruined, of course it affects your mental. Who would possibly be like, oh, doesn't bother me at all. I just lost 10 grand because that guy dropped the touchdown, not affecting me in the slightest. Like, I just don't think that's realistic. But anyway, so the long story short is I am still playing on draftings, but I have different handle now that I, I'm not sharing on social media because I think that they could potentially close it. I don't, I don't know. I didn't ask, like, am I allowed to just make a new account? kind of assumed the answer was no. Uh, so yeah, I haven't been, uh, the human test is probably dead forever. Um, which is ironic because a year ago I ran it all the way up the flagpole with draftings. I got on a call with the CEO to ask if I could change my username because I, I hate the username. My wife hates it. So, because the human centipede is a disgusting movie. I made that username when I was like 16 years old. And so I tried to change the, the, the username and, uh, they uh they basically just said no you're too big of a player we don't allow players like above a certain volume to to change their name um so yeah
1: they they stopped allowing that a long time ago um, i
0: i tried for for years to change my name and to, to they, know they, what's they your had, handle yeah.
1: they did it barely like in 2015 maybe at then you might have been able to sneak it mine's uh, two girls
2: one cooper cup um yeah see dude we we all made these names like so immature and now we're just
1: i was trying to switch mine to big dick brick so i was going no i'm kidding um that so you didn't click the self-exclude button or anything like that
2: no did not click it and and here's the worst part about it i hadn't claimed my tier three onyx reward yet which is worth like 10 to 15 grand and i they can't claim it like they won't let me they won't let me claim it they took all my perks away so I was like, I, I probably overreacted because of that. I was like, well, at least give me my damn perks. And I was probably a little overly aggressive trying to get my perks. Um, it's not the the customer service reps fault. You know, like I was like, this is ridiculous. You can't, you can't be serious. You're doing this to me. Um, and so I think probably didn't help. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely felt kind of screwed by them. Like, I feel like it was a pretty big overreaction, but it's funny. I had a friend, uh, a friend texted his rep that he was excited about the all-star break to take a few days off. And he said, Oh, you're, you're needing a break. And I had told my friend this story like months ago. And he was like, no, 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 I'm fine. I, I'm really, I'm doing great. I just was saying, I'm looking forward to having a little time with my family, but the guy's like, Oh, okay. Thanks for clarifying. So yeah, I wouldn't say that.
1: I mean, I've had, I've had many reps for over the a long time now I've never gone into a conversation with them. So I, that is a um, little, uh, a little surprising. The the oversharing you're, you're how you're explaining it. Uh, Cause mine's always just like, yes, no, okay, I could do that. Well, give me more. <laughs> That's basically, yeah, yeah. basically well, I, been it. Been enjoying. Uh...
0: So Travis Petty, uh, who I would call a reliable narrator, says I've had issues with reps about saying things jokingly over text, similar to JMac. It's real. Um, just to like drive home the thing. So you're telling me. You're, you're playing now on a different account. And if you win the Millie Maker in a contest, no one will no, So y-
2: you yeah, won't to, be able to clarify to that you want it. To clarify, yeah, nobody will know. To clarify, I'm staking another player. I'm staking like 90% of another player, and I'm, I'm working on the lineups with him. I'm really pretty much building the lineups. But since I don't actually believe it violates the terms and conditions because I don't have my own account. So if I build 150, give it to that player, he doesn't play any other lineups but mine, and I don't play any lineups, then... I believe we're within the, the, our rights to be staking and playing in that way. But yeah, I probably won't, uh, won't post about it. I haven't posted about it. We, we actually shipped something not long ago um, and it just looks like a guy with a DFI logo. I don't think anybody would uh, think anything of it. But yeah, it just seems safer than not to not say anything. But a, a lot of our customers in the Discord know who I'm playing. They know what my lineups are. But yeah, I'm not broadcasting it on Twitter. i playing more on Fanduel, where my name is Justin McMahon. Um, so you might've seen me in some Fanduel stuff. Um, But yeah, I'm not trying to to go head to head with Empire anymore. Not trying to play Thunderdomes anymore. It's just a lot of stress to put on yourself. And it doesn't help me with the content at all. Probably hurts the content. Um, And this is it's really supposed to be fun. And I think the big realization for me was when I tried to sell the company, I found out that in the current market and probably the foreseeable future, these companies really aren't worth much. So whatever you're doing to grow your company, you should be having fun with it. If you're not enjoying the way, and this is to anyone who's going to launch a company in this space, right? Like I made my thread for entrepreneurs generally. Um, but I have more thoughts for specifically this niche. And and my message to people in this niche is like, you should really be enjoying what you're doing, the content that you're making, the way you're running the business, you should be enjoying it. If it's stressing you out and you're pushing yourself to do something because you think that it's going to grow your company, it's probably not going to really do that much. And at the end of the day, you're probably going to be disappointed because these companies don't sell for that much, especially if you're ready to be done. So don't burn yourself out and then try to sell your company because that's really going to not go well. Sorry,
0: I got to circle back to something. Can you clarify, are you playing and using another user as like a mule and like being lineup so you can get action down because you're self-excluded or are you staking a player you trust and they're playing and you're just getting like a large, large percentage of their ROI?
2: Um, well, I didn't self-exclude, but my account's been banned. Okay, um, sorry. And I, yeah, and I, haven't, I haven't opened a new one. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm playing with a close friend that we, you know, we've always worked on draftings lineups together over the years or not really worked on together, but I've helped him, you know, I've always kind of helped him with his teams. And so, yeah, at this point I'm staking a large percentage and really the way that the, like the way the lineups were built for like golf, for example, he's downloading my projections off the site asking me is there any players you think we should amp up or exclude and I tell him the guys that I would be most favorable towards and then he's he's crunching 150 with my projections and firing them in so I don't know you know if you think that violates terms and conditions I guess let me know like I'd be willing to change part of the process to in my understanding is that this is perfectly fine um but if somebody is knows that that's not okay let me know I'm not trying to break any rules um I'm just trying to make sure that I'm able to participate in the slates um and and build if, lineups
1: if that is your process i'm not sure it does break any um rules but why would you tell him to adjust the players if they're your your projections because you get hundred percent of a guy
2: like i don't want hundred percent patrick rogers just because he's my top point right but you said line.
1: like a boost and adjust not not like an exposure cap or something no, when I say boost and but...
2: I mean get more of this guy, get less of this guy. Like he sends me the screenshot. Here's what your projections create. And it's like a hundred percent of three guys, and it's just way too much. And so are I'm you like,
0: sending him money to like bankroll this play? Like how are you guys doing the accounting for that?
2: Uh yeah, he's just gonna send me a ten ninety nine at the end of the year. So he he's just playing it through. Um, you know, we're currently up. So he's just playing it and then at the end of the year we'll ten ninety nine it if wherever we're at. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a setup that other people have as well. Probably not for the same reason I do, but I think other people are staking players and doing 1099s when necessary.
0: Uh, Daniel Hutchings says, uh, Nerdy Tenor, I believe groups playing together are fine as long as they're only accessing DK. The the, the reason we have to, to ask J-Mac is because you can understand on the surface that your story would seem kind of flimsy or that it would feel – Like it doesn't necessarily ring true. Just like the amount of coincidences with that of getting like banned when you didn't mean to, and now like and now not playing high stakes, even though you're running a content site, like why that stuff doesn't just like logically add
2: up. What's the coincidence other than that I accidentally got banned?
0: Well, the the thing is, is most players, and it's it's a whole dynamic in DFS, right? Like people the reason people subscribe to stochastic or to ETR, all of these sites is because they want to learn from winning players and they want them to share the projections and the tools and right, the game yeah. theory that helps them win. And so if you're not playing and you're not beating those games, what are you actually offering the people you're selling subscriptions to?
2: Gotcha. Yeah, no. And I'm, I'm actually really beating the large field GPPs. So, I mean, I don't think the high stick stuff even is relevant to the users. So yeah, I think the edge has definitely diminished. 2020, I was crushing Thunderdomes. 2021 and 2022, I've crushed MMA. I'm probably like one of the top MMA players in high stakes. Um, but yeah, some of the other sports, just playing mock and BK and Uta every day and four mans, like there's no edge. Like you're just paying rake. I, I just don't think the reason that it's worth playing is if you think you're getting some marketing benefit out of it. But I just don't think that it's worth it. You know, I was luckily, luckily decided like before it's just destitution, like, all right, I think I should give this up because I'm looking at my ROI and I'm like, I'm actually doing really well in these large field contests. But that's such a small percentage of your volume. You just can't get that much down playing large field GPPs. Like the, even if you maxed everything, you're not even getting 10K down. So if you're also playing a Thunderdome and a three man, now that's such a small percentage of your, your ROI. And so I think what I realized just analyzing like my roto tracker is like, all right, I could, I could be doing better and be less stressed and putting in more effort into the kind of content that our users like. If I focus on these large field small stakes, is it less exciting on a night to night basis? Yeah. But that's probably better for my health anyway. You know, like, I don't think you want to be sweating 20, 30 K every single night. I don't think that's necessarily good for you. So that was kind of what the conclusion that I came to. Um, and that's why I let my rep know. So I don't think it's particularly coincidental because I let him know, hey, I, I've decided it's not good for my mental health to be playing in these contests, so I'm going to be ramping it down. And then that's, so I don't think it's very coincidental. I feel like it's all pretty tied together. Um, and actually, I would really barely played on FanDuel for the last three years. I'd pretty much all been playing on DraftKings. And now I'm in every FanDuel contest. So it, it's not like I've just completely dropped off the face of the earth. I've just switched over my name, the, the count name with, with me on it, is now active on FanDuel and it's no longer active on DraftKings, which is before it was
1: kind of flipped. So kind of an adjacent question to this that we we got a bunch of questions on this one. Do you owe any high stake players makeup or debt?
2: No, the funny thing is, no, the funny thing is that I actually am owed a ton of money. And, and there's a lot of people in the space that know that to be true. I am owed a lot, um, but I don't talk about it. It's just, I don't feel like it's, people are going through enough. Like if they're, if they're struggling to pay, then they're going through a tough time. And I know some of the things that they're going through, and it's, it's I'm not someone that wants to tear anybody down any further than they already are. Um, so as long as they give me their word that they're not engaging in more situations that could make it worse and gambling more kind of behind my back, then I'm not going to try to tear them down at all. The interesting thing is, and, and if you want somebody credible that you can ask about, I actually made a large payment on behalf of somebody else this year. I covered a debt that someone else owed because I vouched for them. Um, and, and Jeff Ma and Rufus Peabody, I hate to throw out names, but I, it's nothing negative towards them at all. You can ask them. Uh, that's that's the group that I was playing with that I covered. Um, and, and look, I went about that the wrong way. I thought I shouldn't have to cover it because I had nothing to gain. Like I brought the person into the game, but I was like, well, if he won, I get nothing. And if he loses and doesn't pay, then now I'm on the hook. That feels like a pretty asymmetrical situation. Um, But I was told by the group that I'm wrong. Consensus is I'm wrong. I hard vouched on accident, but I hard vouched and I have to pay. So I did. Um, So I I covered it. And, uh, you know, I feel like I learned from the situation. I would never vouch for anybody. And uh, that's what that's my another piece of advice. If you're a young gambler or someone new to the space, do not vouch for somebody. There is nothing you could gain. And you could end up having your reputation on the hook and you've got to send a huge payment to cover somebody else's debt. And so, um, yeah, I, I get why. Here's why I think that's floating around. I owed CHOP a couple grand from uh, the end of college football season. And we'd already signed our LOI and we'd started the due diligence process on this deal. And I usually send those payments in and out of an account that's tied to DFI. So my Sorry, said, just to
0: clarify, you were you guys playing like-
2: uh, high uh, stakes, like, off off book head head heads. Heads. yeah, gotcha. I wouldn't call it high stakes, but off book head to heads for like a okay. college football, college football, Yeah. So credit to chop got the better of me second half of the season. And I, I can't remember the amount. I want to say like eight grand. So I said, Hey, my accountant suggested that let's not move money in or out now that we've already sent over our current balance sheets and books. I'll get you in a week or two when the due diligence ends. And, you know, I think he was fine with it. Um, I didn't think anything of it. But that due diligence process did not ever end. It dragged out for two and a half months until they basically backed out of the deal. And I'm not blaming them. They had their reasons. A major disruption happened that you guys know very well. Um, a major disruption happened in that company that forced them to prioritize other things and kind of put us on the back burner. And then I just really didn't like. I didn't know what to do because I because kind of was like, well, I want to listen to the the people that are advising us on the deal. They're saying, like, let's try to keep everything just the way it is. And eventually I did send it to him because I was like, all right, screw this. I took too long. Sorry about that. Um, and I think that apparently he told me that he had other people in the group that were like backing his play. So it wasn't just him. And so he told all those people that I'm delaying paying. And so I think that's what happened. And, and I did go about that wrong. Like, I can admit that. Like, I should have just told the accountant, like, hey, I, that's, is it really that important? I didn't press him. I just said, all right, I'll listen to you a lot of stuff going on and I didn't really think through that one. And if I had, I, I would have probably realized in hindsight, I should have just sent it right away. But to me, it was kind of a, a, a insignificant amount to make a big fuss about, but I understand why it could trigger people saying um, that I'm not paying on time. So no, I do in, apologize for the that. The
1: insignificant amount can also be triggering on the other side. Cause it's like, dude, just right. send it. No, no. no. I, I it. Just, and look, I, understand and
2: I, I totally get it. After that happened, I, uh, I shortly after I also uh, sent a much bigger payment to, to Jeff and the guys to cover someone else. So hopefully that in some ways kind of adjudicates the, the claims that I would, uh, that I couldn't pay. Uh, but anyway, So you have um, no,
1: no other college football debts. No.
2: Okay. So, yeah, I, I think that, I think it was just that one, that one thing. And I think it just keeps circulating around. And I don't think those guys are putting in any effort to clarify it, which is fine. It's, they don't owe that to me, but um, yeah, I I believe that's where it's coming from. Um, No one, no one ever talks to me about it, you know? So uh, that's just kind of my guess, but uh, yeah. Um, One other
0: thing that came up recently that I wanted to ask you about as someone who uh, likes to scroll on TikTok, I see a decent amount of Josh Richards, probably one of the biggest uh, TikTok stars out there. Maybe this audience's demographic doesn't know Josh Richards, but he's absolutely fucking massive. I want to know, How did you get Josh Richards to vouch for your new site on Twitter to his 2 million followers? It's
2: unfortunate that he did in a sense because, so I shared my tweet on my Instagram and he and I have been pretty good friends for a couple of years, but he really doesn't use Twitter at all. I don't think he's ever shouted me out on the platform, Um, but I posted a screenshot of this tweet on my Instagram and said, just launched a new company, really excited about it. So he saw that and thought, Oh, I'll go, I'll go vouch for him. Cause I, I texted my picks almost every day. He uses the DFI app or used to, um, and he's been, he's been playing for a long time and he's, he's had a good couple of years from, from playing my picks. And so he is appreciative of it and, and wanted to help. I don't think he realized that it ended up doing more damage because he doesn't follow me on the platform. So of course it looks like I bought this <laughs> ad. Um, but no, we're pretty good friends. I could pull up, pictures on my phone and and show pictures of us doing stuff. I don't really ever post these pictures with him because I don't want to look like I'm trying to flex that I'm friends with a 22 year old TikToker, but I actually think he's a really cool guy. I like him a lot. I enjoy hanging out with him. Um, But yeah, this, like this is exactly the opposite of what I want, right? Like (laughs) this is his (laughs) job, you know, like I'm not going to knock somebody, like they probably paid him a million dollars to do that. Like I'm not going to knock somebody for doing their job. Like I respect what he's built for himself. He's actually a really sharp guy he plays it perfectly he's built a really big brand for himself um, you know he knows his face and I I don't really quite I, I value him based on my interactions that I have with him I don't really care what people say about him or, or what his reputation is
0: it, it's it's less about I think the when we, we mentioned like the words coincidence because you also I, I've roasted you over the years you were used to do this like uh, DM marketing campaign Dude, with uh, DM, where it's I like know, Robo robotic DMs and stuff like that. So like in the the totality of all of this stuff, it looks like slimy fucking marketing. And like Josh Richards, who doesn't follow you, who never talks about playing DFS anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if
2: you look it him up- if, of a paid ad. Right, no, if you want to actually dig into it, you can see on Instagram like that he follows me and that I could show you posts that we have together. And um, I think we probably have over 10,000 texts. I don't know if there's a way to show that, but yeah, it's, it's not- uh, I get how it looks. I do get it. And I do want to address that, the DM thing. That was something that, you know, if you, if you own a company in this space, you get contacted all the time. People saying, can I come on and do social media management? I want to grow your audience. Can I do work for you with social media stuff? And so I had someone reach out and say, I did this great campaign with another company where we DM'd all their followers, gave them a free trial and it converted a ton of people Can I do that campaign with your company totally for free? I'll GM all your clients and you'll just give me like a small percentage of whatever it generates. And I didn't think through how, but the negative of that would be. I thought, yeah, that seems like a pretty good idea. I I wrote the DM, so I'll take ownership of that. I wrote it. If you hated it, I did write it, but I was trying to make it like work for every person. What I didn't realize is that, yeah, that's going to of course go to all these people in the industry that. I know. So then it's going to seem really impersonal that I'm just like blast DMing. Uh. <laughs> this is the, this is the copy. Like, you know, you and I had exchanged like uh, a
0: couple DMs and then I get this. We've been making a lot of improvements to DFI apps since we released it. This may seem odd, but negative feedback is really my favorite because then we can make the app even better. So if you could think of anything to improve it, it would mean a lot to me. Was this, right. this was like a robo thing that went out to anyone you followed?
2: The guy said, I'm just going to pick some of your followers to try it with, and he DM'd every single person that followed me. So everyone got this DM in like a three day span, and I it was like it. right before the holidays, too. So then all of a sudden, I'm just getting so many people like, dude, fuck that DM. That's so lame. And I'm just like, well, it's too late. It already went out to every single person. So what am I supposed to do? Um, do you want me to send another DM? Be like, Hey, sorry, that was a bad idea. So
1: been I
2: agree. I, I personally, like if someone else sent me that DM, I would flame them. Like, I agree that it was yeah. dumb. So you like
1: blame it on the intern.
2: No, I mean, it was my call. Look, like I agreed. I went along with it. I helped write it. Like I, it's, I can only take the blame for that. I, I accept full responsibility. It was just a mistake. And I wouldn't, I would never recommend to any business owner to like, cold contact all of your customers like people send out like email campaigns all the time and in my mind i was thinking this is very similar like this is like sending a blast email to your whole list asking for feedback on your app but it just did not come across that way and i see why like when i read it now from the perspective of like pete like if pete sent me that it just doesn't feel the same at all as getting like an email asking for app feedback so that was a mistake, and I apologize to everybody who got that DM.
1: I I wouldn't um, like from like a business perspective, like doing a lot of these things, I think are totally fine in my opinion. And like you're just you're clearly trying to make money and grow a company, uh, so like I wouldn't apologize for for some of those. But like just blanket, full blanket, have you ever paid anyone like an influencer or someone to like your post or follow no. you for followers? No, like it's
2: that? not it's not worth it. Like. I was trying to explain that in the comments. Some, some guys were like speculating, how much do you think this ad from Josh costs? And they said the over under at $5,000 and almost every single person was guessing over. People were guessing 20,000, 30,000. I'm like, guys, this isn't worth hardly anything. Like I picked up about 50 followers from that and no new customers. Like no one just snapped by something because an influencer says it's a good thing. Like Maybe five years ago, that was true. But today, influencers sharing some of their friends' company doesn't really do anything. Like, it's not worth paying for that at all. So luckily, I've had the... I was go just going to say, I think two things can be true.
0: I do agree with you, too. Like, I would be shocked if that converted a single... No, I not anything. He was just doing it to be nice. But... I will also say Josh Richards can command 200, 300,000 upwards of half a million dollars for a single TikTok advertisement post with like his following. So like yeah. I understand why people would be like, this looks like an ad, it feels like an ad. Josh Richardson can legit command half a million for a single TikTok. Right. But I also agree with you that I guarantee this did nothing for no
2: either it didn't of do it. Yeah. But that's that's why I was like, I wish he didn't do it. Like in all honesty, I was like, it like it was I was nice like super appreciate it. But like, yeah, it just ended up drawing a bunch of ire towards me that I was like, I don't really deserve this. Uh, and neither does he. And that's the thing is it caused all these people to post videos of him when he was 13 doing some flamboyant video. And it's like, dude, this is so uncalled for like, he's just trying to be a nice friend. And now so he's is, being roasted. Is Josh Richards uh, a new sub at really good picks? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I give him free access wherever, you know, like I'll, I'll give it to my close friends. They all have access to my, my content.
1: Yeah, I still have no idea who this person is, Pete. I'm such a boomer here, but dude, I didn't know. I never. I'm when massive. he reached
2: out to me, he reached out to me a few years ago, and he's like, "I would like to learn about sports betting. Can you help me out?" I had no idea who he was, but I was like, "This guy's millions of followers." I'll.
1: I'll Sounds help like you him. were helping an underage person, by the way, who's not. No, he's uh,
2: he's Canadian. You can gamble at 18 in Canada. Oh,
1: there you go.
0: Um. Brian is there anything i think like looking through my notes and some of the dms and the comments we got i feel like we hit some of the the main things we wanted to get to were there any other loose ends that you had here
1: i don't think we have enough time really um, just just the general uh, like i don't think we really fully got it's hard to do this anyways though it's like it's kind of the tout hate people hate touts and so i don't really agree with that but then it's like well then you have to kind of prove who you are and it's like hard to prove if, or disprove anything justin says here if i could, if I could add, or, I could add so like leading seconds. like leading into like my last question would be like okay then how are you how do we know your projections are good how are your projections better than rufus peabody's so you know and at pga how are your projections better than the osmo team or the etr staff yeah, yeah or, I would say, you know, those are those are pretty tough uh at this point the efficient dfs market that we live in it's Pretty hard uh, to like, do you have any stats experience? Like, are you a database guy and we never knew or anything like that?
2: Yeah. So I've been working with a programmer for like the last seven years on my projections, but I've just always kept them to myself. And I always made the content based on them, but I felt like it's, I don't want to, I never wanted to get projections out because I thought everybody would just do. And when Osimo released his projections, I thought all his customers are just going to be duping each other and it's going to be a terrible experience. And I was wrong. That doesn't seem to happen. So then, I started working on getting them front-facing so that I could publish them. And I probably could have published them a little while ago, but I didn't want to launch them on DFI because I couldn't even control the tech on that platform. So I think my projections are really good. I'm only doing six sports, and I'm not doing a couple of sports that I'm, I know I'm going to lose customers for not doing. I'm not. I'm not doing hockey. I'm not doing NASCAR. I'm not doing WNBA. I, I'm just not good enough at those sports. My projections. Well, don't those compare. are the ones you
1: probably should do if you're not good enough, because the other ones are super efficient. So like I don't do my own anymore, uh, and Wait. I was I was been doing I was doing my own uh, long ago, you know. And so I don't do my own for NFL or MLB. Oh, but maybe. I'm saying
2: I can't when I backtest what I built for those. Mm-hmm. It's just not good enough. Like it doesn't it doesn't beat the other ones. Like you know I, I find that when I try to backtest test my projections against Stevie and NASCAR, like I've just mine are are worse. Um, but mine backtest well in the other sports, and I would encourage someone to try them. I have a friend that plays really high stakes head to heads uh, posts on both sites. He's weighting my projections, the highest in his, in his model already. Um, he said, mine are, t- are testing really well. Um, I've been working on them for a long time and testing them. So I would just encourage, just download them, um, and run them against another set and, and see which ones do better. And, uh, that would be, that would be the way to test them. And yeah, so you do, you do really this good.
1: with a, a programmer guy and you tell him your gut instincts and then he goes and does the legwork.
2: No, I mean, I'm, I'm telling him here are all the stats that I want in it. Here's all the, you know, here are the, the sharpest books I'm pulling. I want those, their player props. I want that as a weight. I want the, the, advanced, right. But that's not how that stats as a weight.
1: That's not how statistics works. Right. Like, so like, if I say like batting average matters, I want that in the model. Like you tell me that, yeah. that that's what you want. I go, well, okay. Well, take, how You, you can end, end up bat with bat. like,
2: you can make a bunch of like individual projections. So like, you can take a, well, I don't want to go too deep into it, but you can take a bunch of individual projections and then blend them at certain weights. So you can create projections like numbers that you want as the value and then blend them together. Like, do you build, do you have a model you're saying or you do not?
1: Yeah. I've, I've made thousands of models. Okay. So yeah. so. So but they're not good enough to beat Rufus and they're not good enough to beat a team of eight guys now at ETR and stuff like that. They're just not.
2: I, yeah, I know. I hear you. I, I would, I would personally be using mine. Um, but, but look, at the end of the day, also, I don't just blind crunch with projections. I'm typically doing qualitative analysis as well and trying to figure out who I think is going to be higher owned than even than my projections might even say, kind of trying to scour the industry. And so I think it's a lot about getting leverage more so than are you one point higher or lower on this guy? I think it, it really comes down also to like understanding the leverage and the way the slate's going to play out.
1: Sure. There's, um, fine with that but yeah. like just sorry Pete but like the like I, honestly like do, do you take in other other sites projections into your your programming or into your to your look, projections I, at there's all or is it ton, just there's you?
2: probably a hundred factors that are going into some of these like a sport like baseball with so many or like basketball with so many factors uh there's a ton of things going into it and and look I, I don't really I'm not going to go into like this is this factor has a lot of weight for us compare like this is a factor we've identified as maybe being underweighted in in Rufus or I'm not telling
1: you to give any of our any secrets I'm just saying generally speaking I think what happens with a lot of smaller sites is they just copy the big boys and then aggregate them and then put a little variance in there
2: no that's yeah there's there's, there's definitely a, a, a different process than just simply like like you you know the site the daily average like that's just kind of like just this it's just it's a straight blend. Um, that's yeah, there's, there's a lot more to it than that, but I do the thing that definitely gets factored in. I am pulling other sites for our ownership. I think it's, I think it's irresponsible not to, I think it really matters if, if Rubis has a guy that I didn't think was a good play. So I originally was going to project him kind of low on, if that's his number one play, that definitely impacts ownership. So you have to make an adjustment to your ownership projections or else they're just going to be way off. So yeah, I, I am pulling for, and I think I think personally that's, that's okay. You know, I don't know if if other people would disagree that you can't look at other sites for your projections, but um, I think it's really relevant for the ownership to factor in how other sites are projecting players, at least the ones that move the needle. You know, I think we all know there's, there's a couple of them that have enough subscribers that are moving the needle. So if they're really touting a guy hard, you have to adjust or you're just going to be wrong.
0: Yeah, I did want, I do think like the people can kind of decide, for themselves. I did find a photo of one of your models here. And I just wanted to pull it back up on the <laughs> screen.
1: That's probably our best model.
0: Yeah. Um, great model. Um, any, anything else, Brian here before, uh, we power down.
1: No, no, we're out of time.
2: Brian, okay. could I add one closing, uh, comment? Sure. You mentioned the tout thing and uh, people ask me all the time, like why tout if you can just win? And I think one of the interesting things that people say is there's a lot of hard legwork that goes into really winning as a sports bettor. And that's that's honorable and touting is dishonorable. But the hard legwork usually involves multi accounting and a syndicate where you have hundreds of logins across all these different sports books and you can place bets all at the same time so that you don't move the odds too much or get limited. To me, that's also kind of questionably ethical, even more so than touting. I've never understood. I'd love it if you guys have an opinion. I've never understood why that's considered like the ethical, honorable way to win and make money in this market is to cheat the sportsbooks' account policies when they're trying to limit the sharp players. But you're going to cheat it by multi-accounting. Like, fine, I'm not shaming you, but why is that the, considered the ethical? Thing? I don't
0: know if you should be tisking multi-accounting
2: right now, Jay. <laughs> <back. laughs> no, look, I agree. I, I will answer say, that. Like, I'm not trying to like bash it. I just can't believe that that's considered like the, the really like honorable high horse approach. But touting is considered so bad when you're actually making a lot of people's experience better. I mean, there's hundreds of comments on my original post, people saying how much they love the content I make, how much fun it is to, to be in the community with me. So if people are having so much fun in the community, like why are we, why are we shitting on that?
1: I don't think there's anything wrong with touting. My, my personal perspective, unless there's something extra going on to the touting layer, uh that maybe like Vegas Dave type of people are doing or something but if you're right, just putting your picks no, out there outright
2: lying that's different and
1: saying it's 15 bucks whatever if you want them here here you go I like I don't care honestly um I think a lot of it's good for the games but I will make a case that the uh multi accounting is 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 morally like fair I think because if you're doing unregulated books especially in America these companies lobby I was there I I worked at the Capitol for many years, and they fuck us over. And if and they basically use the the state for their own benefit. So, like, I know Jason Robbins put out a tweet the other day. He's like, "We encourage competition." It's like, yeah, sure, right, okay. Yeah. Well, then lobby to get rid of all the licensing fees in all these states, so that small little companies can get through and make the regulations even less. They want high regulations, and and they're the ones. And like, you know, they spend tons of money on lobbying. You can look up the numbers. To, to, and then, and then once they get this, this sort of, you know, uh, siphoned off market, then they could, then they can start any winning sports better. Most of the people, you know, in our, our circle, a lot of us have been limited. Right. They could get away with it where they wouldn't be able to get away with it. Like in the, the caveman days, 2003, sports betting was awesome, you know, net teller and shit like that. All the old school guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I, like I think like it's fair game like if you're going to use the state, then fuck you. That's my personal opinion. So like, but I would say if you don't have that perspective, I can understand where multi-accounting is not that moral of a thing. It's Uh, not that
2: I'm really opposed to it. I'm just like, I'm glad that was a good answer. I appreciate, I'm glad I asked. Thank you for, uh, thank you for that context because that's, yeah, that's, that's what I was missing. Um, uh, one kind of, uh, slightly off topic as
0: we, we power down here. Uh, are you on Team uh, Run Pure Big T or on Team uh, Hoop Ship It Nation? Good People question. need to know. I I cannot answer
2: that. Sorry.
1: Whoa! That's the
0: that's where you got the line at talking.
2: <laughs> yeah. You've been. I'll talk about myself. About I'll talk everyone. about myself all you want, but I'm not here to tell oh. anybody else.
1: Well, let me say this as we're to the last thing. Last thing. This this will only take a second. He. Uh, a lot of people asked like questions about your family and stuff like that. And you asked us respectfully not to, not to, and we had no interest in it anyways, but I just know we're going to get a lot of people on Twitter saying, why don't you ask him about this? Ask them about that. And ask them about this. So just for the people who were like hounding, hounding on us, yeah, like, I just we're, don't think we're it's, not interested.
2: It's so. Fair to them to drag them in. You know, this is my, my endeavor, my career, and they have absolutely no involvement at all. So it's just not fair to make them, I think that's about themselves. I agree about themselves.
0: Um, the other thing I did want to get, So you do have your new site, uh, really good picks.com. I can confirm you are no longer investing in any tech team whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> after visiting the site, is there, is there anything else you want to tell people about the site before we before look? We it's it's simple.
2: This? It's clean. Yeah. It's not super high tech, but the projections are good and the content is good. I mean, the write-ups are really solid and the discord has been a lot of fun. We're having a good time. If you're a player that wants to have fun, use projections, use content, have a good time. Join us, and uh, you'll. I look forward to seeing you in there. I I will actually say of all the stuff, J J
0: Mac. Uh, I I actually think it's a good name. Um, in Thank like you. the vein of like the Washington Commanders, where it's like winkingly ironic. Uh, so congratulations on the name. I actually think it is good.
2: Thank you. It makes yeah. me laugh when like even when you pulled up the site, it made me chuckle. Like I enjoy the name. I think it's amusingly bad and. That was like it's hard to come up with a name. So once I came up with one that was making me laugh, I was like, "All right, let's do it." Yeah,
1: I don't think it's, uh, people made too big of a deal out of it. And uh, I'll just fair. say another thing too: with, with just because I can't make the best projections in an in industry doesn't mean you can't, Justin. I was just giving my perspective.
2: No, that's fair, Rick. And, and look, like test them, like test me against test mine against other people's. Um, and another thing also is like if everybody is using Rufus's, then there's an, also an argument to made that like. Even if you think mine are slightly worse, it's better to be unique than to be tailing the same projections as everybody else. So there's kind of another argument there. I'm not, I'm not the one making it, but I've heard people say that like the best thing you can do is find unique projections. Um, yeah, so, no, that
1: logic doesn't work for me. But I can
2: make <laughs> I, I've never made projections in my life. I can make some people
0: some damn good unique projections yeah. if they want to. You buy want to be way off,
1: but you you want to be
2: at least you want to be like a point or two off. Travis uh, in the comments wants to have some fun. Join us, Trav.
0: Yes, uh, Travis uh, will be uh, becoming a really good picks up here any moment. I appreciate everyone in the chat. Appreciate uh, J-Mac. Thanks for reaching out, coming on here. If you two are going through a, a battle uh, for ownership of your DFS site, you can reach out to Brian and I. And we will host you and tell your voice. And you know what? In the same way everyone wanted us to extend an invite to Big T to come on after the hoop stuff, Um J Mac, if your if your tech people want to come on here and tell their side of the story, we will continue to be an equal opportunity platform.
2: Good. Maybe not I'm the whole sure, hour. <laughs> I'm sure they will <laughs> laugh when they hear this because there's no way they will do it. But yeah, good. <laughs> all right guys if this is your first time watching lulls for some reason uh we are here
0: every thursday at 1 30 p.m eastern you probably uh if you're just here for the drama then you don't care about brian and i doing basketball stuff but you could go back in the archives and watch our uh hoop run pier sports saga that i'm now even more intrigued about because j mac won't tell us what side he's on thank you guys again for brian I, Pete. p we'll see you guys later peace save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon